Welcome to r slash today I effed up, where OP almost kills himself with peanut butter. Today I effed up by convincing my entire apartment building a velociraptor was on the loose. I was a student studying at a big university that had some large luxury apartment buildings nearby for students to live in after their freshman year. In my building, there were around 400 apartments across eight floors. I lived in one of these apartments with three roommates. Modern gym, stainless steel appliances, nice place. The F up starts with me not wanting to drink my face off for once on a Saturday and wake up the next morning feeling like a train wreck and instead wanting to have a quote wholesome night of fun. So instead of going out, I decided to post signs around the building that a dinosaur, specifically a velociraptor, was on the loose. Harmless, right? I spent some time putting this flyer together. Attention, blank apartment residents, regarding Velociraptor attack. It has come to our attention that on the 20th of December, 2013, an unknown resident of floor seven was fatally mauled by what we presume to be a Velociraptor. Velociraptor mongoliensis, colloquially known as a raptor. Sightings have also been reported on floors two, five, and eight. We offer our condolences to anyone who may have been affected by this tragic occurrence. We urge all residents to be on the lookout for suspicious raptor activity. Things to look for include, but are not limited to, bloodstains, large reptilian tracks, loud reptilian growling and or hissing, velociraptor mating call, velociraptor urine stains and excrement. Please maintain extreme caution at all times. Velociraptors are fearless, deadly creatures. We urge you to ask security for velociraptor repellent or to report any suspicious activity. I figured people would laugh about it. Then I walked down to the apartment building's lobby to use their free printing and make about a hundred copies. Finally, starting at about 9 p.m., I spent the next two hours posting the sign on various doors around the building. For better or worse, it was Saturday and people were getting drunk. About halfway through my adventure, as I was getting into the elevator to change floors, I saw a girl dressed to go out, makeup done, on the phone with someone. Tears streaking her mascara as she struggled to convey to someone that there had been a Falola Raptor attack and that she didn't know what to do. <laughs> Me at the time thought this was really funny and kept going. And ultimately, after posting my hundred flyers, I went back to my apartment, watched some TV and went to bed. That Sunday, I spent most of my time doing homework and not leaving my room. On Monday while in class, my roommate's group text lit up with, does anyone know what this is? It was a pile of four notices of lease violation, suggesting someone had caused a, quote, disturbance on the property and that there would be a fine. Me, being fairly young, I got spooked, bounced from class, and biked to my apartment to take care of it. I grabbed the notices and went to the leasing office. I'll shorten it immensely, but the conversation can be summarized as such. Hi, I got these notices at my apartment today about causing a disturbance. I was wondering what it's about. The apartment agent says, oh, so it's you. He calls out to someone outside his office. Get in here, other apartment agent. It's the dinosaur boy. The other apartment agent, a guy trying too hard to be serious. Do you know what you did last night? Yeah, I just posted some funny and clearly harmless signs that there was a dinosaur on the loose. Also, it was just me, so don't include my roommates here. Okay, just you, but it was neither funny nor harmless. Do you know how many calls security got? I had parents calling in demanding to know about the situation. 
We had students asking if there was a bunker to hide in. Me, a little bewildered. Uh, the sign said Velociraptor. Dinosaur. Clearly extinct. It was just a joke. How did people take that seriously? Look, I know Velociraptors have been dead for over 10,000 years, but you caused a disturbance, and I still have to find you. <laughs> 10,000 years, man. There would be no winning with this guy. I asked him what the fine was, a hundred bucks, ran back up to write a check and paid it. Note, they apparently knew it was someone in my apartment who posted the signs by following security footage. To this day, I wonder how many fully functioning adults at prestigious universities think velociraptors are real. That they aren't dinosaurs, but are instead a vicious reptile that people illicitly kept as pets or that you can go see at the zoo. I also occasionally wonder about the panic I caused, thinking about the girl who was likely on the phone with her parents, and all her parents probably heard were, someone died, on the loose, don't know what to do. <laughs> I still laugh about it. Clearly OP, the next step would have been to get one of those inflatable T-Rex costumes <laughs> and run down the hall terrorizing all the drunk college students. Today I effed up by accepting a proposition for a threesome. It's a perfect summer night in 2018. I'm leaving a job that I hate with my life. Freshly broken up with, ready to throw on my leather and passionately hug anyone in arm's reach. I turn up to my local watering hole right before 1am, toss back a couple beers and post up alone on the outskirts of the main bar. Last call rings out. The bar is mobbed. I lock eyes with a moderately attractive girl who approaches me shortly after. She's equal parts drunk and horny and doesn't hesitate to let me know. She's celebrating a friend's birthday with a squad of girls, one of whom sidles up to us and starts hitting on me hard. Moderately attractive girl is totally fine with this, and the friend would land her on the higher end of the BMI chart, leading me to believe I'm being hit with a bait and switch. They swiftly disproved that theory by literally asking if I want both of them. Worth noting that this is the only time I've been anywhere near a threesome before or since, so I jumped at the chance. Next thing I know, we're in a cab on the way back to whoever's house the birthday pregame was. There is alcohol everywhere. They're feeding me shots and cold buffalo chicken dip like it's my last day on earth. Some girl is crying on the couch. My drunk self picks up the signal that an ex-boyfriend is the cause of the girl's sorrow. Having been recently broke up with, I know exactly where her head is at. Having done far too many shots, I'm not scared to console this crying stranger. Soon I will be advice champion and passionately hug every girl in the house. I launch into my speech, hitting every point she so desperately needs to hear. You're so much better than him. He obviously doesn't deserve you. You'll look back and laugh at this in a month. I'm now starting to notice that the cheers and applause I was waiting for are actually all death stares. Even a few drop jaws. As it turns out, the girl's boyfriend didn't break up with her. No, he effing died. The guy died in a car accident and I'm telling her she'll be laughing about it in a month. Nobody passionately hugged anybody that night. And then we have the perfect reply from Giraffe Factory down in the comments. Nobody effed anybody that night? That's clearly untrue. 
You effed yourself. Our next Reddit post is from Argon Pro. This just happened a couple hours ago. Just a bit of context to start out. I'm moving into a flat with some great people in a couple of months, and they invited me around for a few drinks as it was one of their birthdays. It was a bunch of about 20 of us, and it was kind of a who knows who type situation. It was a great time. Everyone was getting along well. Quite a few drinks, dancing, the usual stuff. I met this girl named Jess, not her real name, and we got talking, and she had the most amazing teeth and smile I've probably ever seen. Fast forward a couple hours and we're all hitting home. I'm pretty bad with women, so classic me, I don't make a move and just start walking home. It's about a 20 minute walk across town, so nothing too bad, but not ideal. We leave at the same time and we found out we kind of walk halfway home and split ways there. We're stumbling along with some playful banter and she jokingly tries to trip me up. I'm drunk, but not that bad, so I manage not to slam the concrete. In return, I jokingly trip her up and here's the F up. She falls like a 20 meter tall tree straight as a pole and slams the concrete. I feel so bad and instantly picked her up. She has a bloody nose and I'm freaking out because I've just slammed this gorgeous girl into the ground. She gets up, asks is her face okay, and as she says it, I see her two front teeth are both missing. My heart sank. I felt terrible. Never felt so bad in my life. I let her know the situation and she bursts out crying. I call an ambulance and we get to the emergency room where we sit for four hours waiting to be seen to be eventually told go home and go to see the dentist tomorrow. In the four hours, we did get to know each other relatively well considering the situation. I had a mixture of feeling terrible, but also how the F does this happen? You only ever hear of these stories. I pay for the taxi home as it's the least I can do and she invited me in for a tea with her face still effed up. We chat for a couple hours about random stuff and as I leave I say it'd be cool to hang out sometime and she actually agrees to it but once her face is in better shape. So when OP gets back to his apartment all the guys there are like, so I saw you go home with that girl, did you smash? <laughs> And the guy winks at him and is like, yeah, I smashed. Our next Reddit post is from the Gym Scout. So let's preface this. There's an episode of Two and a Half Men where Jake melts a jar of peanut butter into liquid. Then he offers Charlie some. So I'm at my friend's house. Let's call the friend Mason. And we're watching reruns of the show. We see that fateful scene and Mason thinks it'd be a good idea to dare me to drink peanut butter. Two things before we proceed. One, our dares are intense, but we never refuse them. Two, while it's apparently weird, I despise peanut butter. Not that I'm allergic or anything, but I really hate the stuff. Knowing that refusing the dare is not an option, or else I'm going to get pranked to no end over it. I decide we should just get it over with now. So my friend hands me the tallest coffee mug he owns and says, get to scooping while he laughs in my face. Once he's made me fill the cup with peanut butter, he puts it in the microwave for like one and a half minutes and then motions for me to get the cup before it hardens. 
Here's where my F up begins. I drink coffee often, so I'm not very careful about it being hot and assume it's much cooler than my typical coffee as I heat that thing up for about two minutes or more before I drink it. One minute is nothing to me. And seeing as I'm not trying to taste this disgusting flavor of nutty origin, I try to slam it down as fast as possible. Actually, the biggest mistake of my life, as not only does peanut butter heat up much faster than a typical liquid, it's very thick and insanely sticky. <laughs> it was like Satan came in my mouth, but it was stuck there and I couldn't get it out. My friend is still laughing his butt off and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs as it goes further into my throat and I begin choking on the molten liquid itself. At this level, I'm thinking I'm choking on lava and I really hope I don't die because of the one time I eat peanut butter. In my suffering, I finally stammer out, take me to the ER and his face immediately changed. I go for the milk we have in the fridge so I can walk out the door, but lucky me, we have not one drop of milk, nor any other liquid other than effing A1 sauce. So I grab the sprayer in the kitchen sink and start blasting it in my mouth so as to mitigate the damage, but I can already tell that I've got some pretty severe burns. Flash forward to the hospital, and thanks to my idiocy, I have second degree burns all over my mouth and throat, and after almost a week, I'm still in constant pain. I can't taste anything except pain. I have burns on and around my tongue, my gums, the roof of my mouth, my throat, and can barely sleep due to the intensity of the pain. F my life and F peanut butter. Never drink it or you'll end up like me. <laughs> this comment from Failure in Space. That sounds like a pretty nutty thing to do. Please don't hurt me. Today I effed up by unwrapping a condom. So at university, as a part of their safe sex promotion, we get given condoms in our welcome to university packs for students who live in the university run accommodation. I'd always chuck these in my drawer for, quote, future use if the situation requiring them ever arose. It never has, and so I took them home over summer and they've been sitting in my drawers at home ever since. Anyway, I'm on inter-semester break right now, so I, a 19-year-old male, was back home and, poking around in my old stuff, found some of them. I decided I'd open the wrapper since I'd never actually used one before or tried putting one on. My parents took me out of sex ed for religious reasons, and I thought it might be good to try one on and try passionately hugging myself with it, so I promptly opened the wrapper. As I discovered, and the majority of the sexually active population probably know, condoms come kind of lubed already, and for whatever reason, I took a smell since I could kind of tell it smelled weird. When I did this, I realized that I had not only smelt this scent before, but knew exactly how it tasted. I have memories of chewing on uninflated balloons quite a lot when I was younger. Same with rubber bands. And the one memory in particular which became very vivid was of finding a balloon in my parents' room and happily chewing on it. <laughs> oh no.
Except now I realize it wasn't a balloon and was, in fact, a used condom. I felt pretty sick then. <laughs> I wish I could delete memories and that I never remembered or realized this. <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. That was r slash today I effed up. And unless you want to be a total F up, hit that subscribe button. Today I effed up by joking about Ancestry DNA and 23andMe. This actually happened over Christmas last year. My family, including my paternal grandparents, aunt, uncle, and cousins, and second cousins were having Christmas dinner. My grandfather brought up that he did Ancestry DNA, or was it 23andMe? I don't remember the exact one because I can barely think about it. It's hard just writing this up. It was really cool to hear what he found. He found he was mostly Scandinavian spread out over the British Isles, particularly Wales. We knew this part already, but then it was discovered he's 3% Persian. Very small, and probably doesn't mean much really, but cool nonetheless. He's a huge genealogy guy, so he's been working on his lineage. The only ancestor he's mentioned that makes me question the validity of his findings is that we're a direct but illegitimate descendant of King George III. The reason why I question this is King George III is recorded as one of the few kings who never had a mistress. However, he believes it because there's a diary passed down in our family from the brother of this woman who supposedly was a mistress of King George III. We're descended from that woman. He mentions traditions and the honor, etc, etc. Anyway, off topic. I thought it was fascinating and I love hearing what he's found. I brought up possibly using my Christmas money, we get money from them instead of gifts, to get one of these kits. I don't think I was really going to do it, I usually use the money to pay bills. Silence. And it was that thick, uncomfortable silence. Everyone but me, my sister, our husbands, and parents left the table. My sister and I look at each other quietly, wondering who's the half-sibling. My parents haven't said anything yet, and trust me, this is a complete surprise that it would even be an issue. We look like our parents, the only thing that's different is my eyes. I have weird hazel eyes that can shift from bright green to a weird shade of blue with an amber ring around the iris and light or because of the outfit of the day. My sister has hazel eyes too, but hers are just a green slash brown color. I always just figured it was one of those things where it was a recessive trait that just decided to pop up in me. I never really thought much about it unless my sister whines about how it's not fair I have such cool pretty eyes. Well, okay. Dad says, there's a chance, OP, that you're not my daughter. My sister and me have that wide-eyed stunned look. My sister grabs my hand. I love her big sister ways. I say, okay, um, your mom never had an affair. This isn't some cheating story. What? I start to feel very sick. My mom says, I hope to never have to tell you this. I was taken against my will. The reason we're not sure is because your dad and I hugged passionately earlier that day. I want to die. I start crying. And I say, everyone else knows though if they left the table. Your grandparents know. My sister says, okay, well, the guy is in jail, right? No, they wouldn't move forward with the case. He's still out there? And my sister says, but obviously we're far away from this guy, 
right? My dad and mom look at each other. It was my brother. I felt so sick. I felt dirty. I had to run to the bathroom to throw up. I couldn't stop shaking. My sister came into the bathroom with me and we just cried. We probably should have been with my mom then too, but we weren't thinking. Our husbands were just stunned and quiet. The rest of the vacation was just weird. If it wasn't for my nephews, I'm pretty sure I would have just gone home. Oh, my nephews are wonderful. Well, we came home and I had to battle with the do I want to know thoughts. I could get a DNA test, but I couldn't do that to my parents if it came out wrong. But it weighed on me too much. I had to know in order to move forward. So I asked my dad if he would submit his DNA with mine. We weren't going to tell my mother if it wasn't the outcome we wanted to savor the grief. It was hard asking him to not say anything to her. He should be able to talk to his wife. So we submitted the test. I am my father's daughter. I cried when I got the results. It was a huge weight off my shoulders. I made a decision not to tell my dad. I wanted to surprise them. I kept saying I hadn't gotten the results back. I did tell my sister though. I gave them the piece of paper on Mother's Day. I was going to wait until Father's Day, but I couldn't. So I got a blank card. Inside I wrote, Mom, open the paper. She opened it and I had written Happy Mother's Day and Happy Early Father's Day. Lots of hugs and tears that day, yeah. Thank God. And then Opie adds more information in an edit. It was my uncle on my mother's side. I've met him. My sister and I were never without our mom or dad in the room if he was there. The family did sweep it under the rug because there is a much longer history between him and my mother. My parents did try to get him charged, but the prosecutor wouldn't go through with it. Two sperm donors create a reasonable doubt, even though, yes, it was her brother. Incestuous relationships happen more often than we think, which I guess was his reason. Plus, my maternal grandmother and the rest of them didn't believe her. My mom didn't go no contact until 2005 when the straw finally broke the camel's back. Why that long, I have no idea. Those are her reasons. She did resume contact a few years ago because my grandmother was dying. I guess there was a big talk and she begged for forgiveness. Grandmother is dead now. This happened in Louisiana. OP, that was a really gripping story and I'm so happy that you got the outcome that you really wanted. Today I effed up by wearing the wrong size shoes for my entire adult life. Okay, so by today I effed up standards, this is pretty tame. But considering the years of agony I unintentionally put myself through, I think it qualifies. I have fairly weird sized feet. They're very wide, but not all that long. I have no arch to speak of. I'm a fairly short guy, about 5'7", and that has always played a role in my shoe size selection. I'm pretty short, so I should be wearing a fairly small size, right? Wrong. When I was a kid, my mom would measure the new shoe she bought for me by pressing the toe and making sure I had about a half inch to an inch of space to grow into. As an adult, I assumed, well, since I'm full grown, I should buy shoes in which my toes reach all the way to the end. For me, that's a size 10 US. Problem was, I kept blowing out the sides of my shoes with my wide feet. No problem, I'll switch to size 10 wide. Still no luck. 
still blowing the sides out of them and suffering chronic foot pain. My running shoes were so ill-fitted that I actually suffered a hairline fracture from running with my pancake feet jammed into those narrow little torture chambers. My friend was getting rid of a bunch of stuff he didn't need, including a pair of really nice brand new size 11 and a half wide Nikes. I said, sure, F it, I'll take them. Let's see how they fit. Oh my God. It was like wearing pillows made of clouds on my feet. I was walking on cotton candy and unicorn farts. I had no idea how much misery I had been in until I wore those shoes. I wonder now if some of my poor life decisions have just been because I was in a bad mood because of so much needless foot pain and I didn't realize it. There's about three-fourths of an inch of room in the toes, but that doesn't bother me at all. OP, it sounds like you're experiencing total relief. Today I effed up by blowing my nose too hard, opening the elevators from The Shining, and having to get my nose cauterized. I woke up today and it was like any other day, so I thought. As I disembark from the dream train, I stumble into the bathroom to deal with my morning routine. I noticed my nose felt full. I get excited because who doesn't like breaching the booger dam and firing boogers out like a railgun? I blew gloriously and felt the sweet release of said booger dam. It was like buckshot into a tissue. As soon as I did this, I knew something was amiss. I got that odd feeling you get with a bloody nose. Dripping, but not quite snot. It was more fluid. I touched my nose with a tissue and I realized it was soaked. We're not talking little drips of blood, but full on red as can be. I grab a tissue and move the old one to apply the fresh sponge. Immediately, it was pouring a rain of blood in my sink. As I hold a new tissue, I start to realize I can't breathe and my throat is getting full. I spit in the sink and a golf ball sized glob of coagulated spit blood hits the sink like one of those sticky hands you get from the dollar machines. I went to the hospital and spent an hour with a clothespin device on my nose until a doctor could see me. He takes his nose scope and tells me I've busted a vein and we're going to cauterize it. Um, like as in burn the inside of my nose to sear the vein closed? He walks in with a stick and tells me to hold his light. I hold it and he goes spelunking poking around and it immediately starts to burn like I poured hot sauce in my nose. Now, I can't blow my nose for three weeks and it's cemented shut from dried blood. I'm uncomfortable. Then, we have this contribution from breaking out incels down in the comments. Fun story, when my brother was 13 or 14, he had the same thing happen. The thing is, he got his terms mixed up, most likely because he had been doing some soldering in tech class. So, at our parents' fancy dinner party later that week, he confidently declared that the doctor sodomized his nose. <laughs> that would be the most awkward Tinder profile ever. Hello everyone, I'm a 45 year old doctor. Honestly, I'm just a simple guy who's looking for a girl who will let me sodomize her nose. Today I effed up by letting my niece and nephew use my PlayStation account and ruining my girlfriend's holiday. My niece and nephew are the best niece and nephew an uncle could ask for. They're bright, kind, good-natured kids. My niece, who we'll call L, and nephew, who we'll call W, don't have many games on their PSN account. So being the cool, that is, stupid uncle I am, I gave them access to my PlayStation account to play my far superior collection of games. All was well for about a month. 
I knew they couldn't buy games on the account because all payments require a card verification number. But imagine my surprise yesterday when I get this message on Facebook. OP, can you check your bank? It was my brother-in-law, my niece and nephew's father. W is playing Fortnite and he has 65,000 V-Bucks. Is this normal? My heart stopped. Their parents are great people, but not particularly savvy with gaming's consoles or microcurrency. I went to my transaction history on PSN and nearly threw up when I saw this. All told, $422.90, that is $531, had been siphoned out over a week with most of the bombardment happening yesterday. By the time I got back into the account to assess the damage, 20,000 V-Bucks had already been spent. I saw that the PlayStation wallet can be topped up before each purchase, so they must have paid for it by first buying wallet currency, which apparently didn't require a code. That's F up number one. I tell my brother-in-law, tell them to stop what they're doing. Shut off your PS4, I have to sort this out. I immediately unhooked any bank cards from the account and looked at what my options were. Nothing. The PlayStation Store doesn't have any protections against accidental purchases like this, and the best they can do is refund the amount back into your PlayStation wallet. This is money that can never be accessed again, except for buying games or mother effing V-Bucks or some other BS currency. For all intents and purposes, I have lost that money. The bank can't do anything about it. So here's where it gets really messed up. F up number two. My girlfriend is visiting family in the US and was storing her savings for the trip in that account. She will have expenses sorted because she's staying with family, but she will be going with virtually zero spending money now. And they had a number of activities planned which she likely can't take part in now. That was a very difficult phone call and she handled it better than I ever could have expected and far better than I deserved. I'm not mad at the kids. I genuinely don't think they meant it. I'm mad at myself. I didn't think it was possible, but then I should have done more research. I feel so terribly guilty for putting my girlfriend in this situation. The kids are upset that they did it. Their parents are currently suffering from stage 4 embarrassment cancer. And all around, the whole thing is just effed up. We're not a rich couple, and this one has hit us both pretty hard. So, fair warning, double check that your payment security features on PSN are set up properly, or you could end up getting thoroughly shafted as we did. The ironic thing about this whole situation is that Fortnite is, by default, a free game. So they could have just been playing Fortnite on their original PlayStation without using your account, OP. Today I effed up by putting a thong that was not my wife's in her underwear drawer. This happened two days ago. So last week, I found a thong on the floor in my living room, smelt it like the animal I am, was clean, and put it in my wife's underwear drawer. Two days ago in the evening, my wife is getting ready to go take a bath. When she comes down two minutes later asking me where the heck does this thong come from? Huh, I found it on the floor, surely it fell from the laundry basket. It was clean, so I put it in your drawer. What, it's not yours? Angrily, she answers it's not hers. You just want me to believe it just appeared on the floor? I tell her, what the heck am I supposed to say? She goes back upstairs really angry at me. So last week, my wife was out of town for work and a female friend of mine came to have a beer with me. 
I send her a picture of the thong, asking if it's hers. It is. We're both a bit confused as to how it ended up in my living room. We came to the conclusion maybe it got stuck at whatever she was wearing that night by static electricity while it was in the dryer. Now the real F up. My wife is in the bed. I go tell her that my friend was here last week to have a beer. Just texted her and the thong is hers. The only explanation we managed to find is that it was stuck by static to her clothes. You want me to believe that? That makes no sense. Jesus Christ, I don't even believe my explanation myself. I tell her to believe what she wants. I don't effing know how the thong appeared in my living room. That I don't have anything to redeem myself. I take some clothes and go sleep at my parents' home. The next morning she calls me. She tells me that she decided to believe in my stupid story because the thong was indeed clean and it's logical that I'd put it in her drawer. And if I was cheating on her, I'd be effing stupid to put my mistress's panties in her drawer. She asked me to come home and we laughed a lot after that. <laughs> and here's a picture of the thong in question. So here's a question for all my viewers out there. If you're cheating on your wife, is hiding your mistress's underwear in your wife's underwear drawer the best cover-up plan imaginable or the worst cover-up plan imaginable? Our next Reddit post is from Throwaway. Ever since I was a kid, I loved to fiddle around with staplers. Playing with the automatic ones and doing dumb stuff like any child would, opening the manual ones and swinging it around, stuff like that. One of my favorite things to do was to open up a new strip of staples and break them apart before putting them in. Running my fingers through the staples, counting them and breaking them apart. Love it. There are 210 staples in a standard strip and sometimes I'd break off each individual one until my fingers hurt. I've even found strips with 209 and 211 a few times. This progressed from me messing around with staples in Mrs. Grady's second grade class to buying a box of staples every other payday to play with to literally having a collection of different brands and sizes of staples in my college dorm to break apart. I had a problem, but no one was hurt, so who cares? Well, fast forward to present day. I am a functioning middle-class adult with a wife and two children. I have a home, a normal car, an office job. I am, by all accounts, a normal human being. I still love staples. Working in an office with a supply room full of staples was a problem. I'd spend my lunch break in the room opening boxes and breaking apart staples to get my fix before returning to work. It got so bad over the course of a couple years that my boss changed our supplier because the boxes all had broken apart staples and were sometimes ripped. So I had to stop doing that. I turned to Amazon first, buying 10 boxes of staples at a time for about 20 bucks a pop. <laughs> it wasn't enough. I went to 20, then 40. <laughs> My wife got curious then and asked, why are you buying all these boxes of staples? But I brushed it off as a work issue that I'd get reimbursed for and I knew I had to change my methods. Over the course of a few months, I enabled myself. I started using cash only at different office supply stores around my town and neighboring towns. I would sit in my car and break apart staples before going to the next store. I began to stay out late and tell my wife I would be home soon so I could go buy more staples from different stores. I opened up a new credit card to put online so she wouldn't know but she caught it in the mail. 
she got suspicious because things weren't adding up. This past Thursday, after one of my late nights, I get home with a trunk full of broken staples and 10 freshly broken boxes in my passenger seat to see my parents' cars at my house. I walked in and everyone is sitting around like it's an intervention. Because it is. My wife asked if there was anything I wanted to, <laughs> to tell them and to tell the truth about my problem. I sat down and kept saying, what are you talking about? Until my mom said, honey, we saw the pictures. Then my wife tells me that my late nights, excuses, and general weirdness about the credit card and some other little things that made her hire a private investigator. This man followed me around to office supply stores and watched me, quote, do something with what I had in the bag from multiple stores. It basically looked like I was a drug runner for Office Depot who was using some of the product for myself. At this point, my wife started to cry and my dad shook his head. I, <laughs> I had to come clean and all I could muster was, I, I like staples. The WTF looks I got afterwards turned into disbelief, then concern, then fits of laughter when I showed them my car. I came clean. I backed this up by showing my secret stash of used staples in my attic and explained the purchases on the card to my wife. Right now, my only concern is my dad. He didn't laugh, just kind of shook his head continually in disappointment without saying a word. Believe it or not, I think therapy or addiction meetings may help, as my wife gave me these suggestions the day after. I may or may not do that, but the good news is I now have a staple hour once I get home and my budget for staples is allowed for my wife now. OP, I'm very, very disappointed in you, but not because of your staple habit. I'm disappointed because you buy all your staples from Office Depot and not from staples. Hugo, you have a squeaker addiction. You know that? I think you have a problem. I think you need to see a therapist. All you care about is squeakers and playing. That was r slash today I effed up. And if you're addicted to my content the way Yugo is addicted to squeakers, then hit that subscribe button for more daily Reddit content.